All right, bringing the energy back to the show. It is officially 2021, and uh, we're just so excited to have you guys along for the ride. So this is the first episode that you're listening to. Definitely go back and check out some of the previous episodes. We've got a lot of gold in the last year. If this is just your first episode this year, welcome back. We're excited to have you, and uh, just so thankful that you joined us for the content that we're going to have this year in uh, the YVR Remo show. So one of the things that we love to do when we start our show is we love to honor and thank our guests. But before we do that, let's talk about what we're talking about here today. Uh, one big thing for a lot of people this time of year is New Year's resolutions. And with New Year's resolutions, generally speaking, a lot of people talk about money, making money, investing money, saving money, all of the above, buying homes, you name it. And we want to help you be a part of that. So we're certainly, certainly, certainly going to start the year off with a bang and have a conversation today about different ways for you to start thinking about making money in real estate in 2021. It's not an exhaustive list per se, but there are a variety of different factors that we talked about. Some you may have heard of, some you may not have. And we're going to spend some time this year bringing experts and, and variety of people talking about this. So definitely a valuable episode. This will set you up. This is going to be your base for your listening experience for 2021 with the YVR Remo Show. As always, we like to thank everyone who's left us a five-star review on iTunes. As a little bit of a reminder, if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes, send us a little snapshot, a little pic, so we know that you did so, and we will make sure to get you out a lovely Thrive Mug along with some delicious local coffee so we can thank you for being a part of our life. Uh, Certainly very thankful for you guys. By the way, enjoy the episode. We'll talk to you soon. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. Well, here we are, guys. First episode of the new year, and uh, we've got a lot to live up to this year because last year was so so incredible in so many different ways tough for some people and good for a lot and i think just in terms of talking about the podcast it was it was uh huge and a lot of fun we started 2020 not really knowing where we were going to go with the podcast we ended with a a great episode at the end of the year talking about everything that we learned and here we are in 2021 doing our very first episode which i think is one that's going to last i think for a long time uh, talking about how to make money, which is what everybody wants to do when they start the new year. Absolutely. How many episodes did we do last year? 40, was it 44? 45? 45. Okay, we're committing to 50 this year. Now it's on the podcast, so we have to. Yeah, so we got some fun stuff in store going uh, forward this year. We've talked a little bit today about some different uh, types of content that we're going to go throughout and some different ways that we're going to produce and uh, bring that content to you guys. So if you're not already checking us out, make sure to be up on our social media feeds, Instagram, Facebook. Our man behind the camera, Paul, is always working his butt off trying to bring you guys the the hottest and best uh, content. So make sure to connect with us on there. But today's episode, getting right into it, is all about making money in real estate. And we're just going to go over a, a wide summary of 
the different ways that you can look to make money in real estate this year. It's not an exhaustive list by any means. It's uh, it's a list of some of the more common opportunities that we have, or at least some of the opportunities that we're thinking of, and maybe some uncommon ones. And uh, we'll be spending the year making sure to deep dive into a lot of these different strategies. Some you've heard of, some of you haven't, and uh, definitely just just excited to, to talk about this. Hey, Dean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the first one hits home for most. Um, buying your first home. If you don't own a home, it's a pretty obvious one. Uh, let's stop, stop paying 100% interest in, in rent and, and buy your first home. Yeah, the crazy thing about that is a lot of people don't actually view their principal residence as an investment, right? It's a place to live and uh, it's better than renting, of course, but people don't really think about the wealth that comes through your your residence right over time. And it's it's pretty phenomenal. I think there was a stat, we've talked about this a couple of times, but 90% of Canadians' wealth is actually in their residence. It's in real estate, right? So getting off the fence and getting into your first home, even if it's you know 5% down, 10% down, if you're borrowing money from family, it's uh, that's the best place to start, hands down. Especially in, in the lower mainland in Vancouver, it is the number one driver of wealth. Um, is the real is the real estate that you own and your primary residence is, is going to be the biggest piece of that. Yeah, a lot of people listening to our podcast are people who uh, maybe own real estate, but we also found out there's a lot of people that listen to our podcast that don't actually own any real estate right now and are just trying to figure out the best strategies to get into the market. We've done some podcast episodes on your down payment. So I'd suggest you go back to the library and pick out, I don't remember what number it is, but we'll, we'll try and post it in the show notes uh, to listen to uh, some of the uh, episodes about down payment and getting your money there. But I, again, it's it's always surprising how many people don't think that buying your first home is an investment. So if that's not already on your list of goals this year, make it your list to buy your first home and uh, we'd love to help you get there. So let's get on to the second uh, key opportunity going into 2021. Um, buying your second home. Rental property, vacation home, short-term rental, you know, all the above. Buying your second home is, is a great place to, to continue to make money in real estate. And you wouldn't be able to do that unless you had your first home. All right. Makes sense. Buy your first home, get your second home. <laughs> yeah. The vacation, sorry, go ahead. No, don't no, go for it. The vacation one is huge right now, especially with, you know, the restrictions in the pandemic. People... People want a place to go, and uh, a lot of people don't think about the investment side of the vacation property, right? You can have a cabin on the lake. It doesn't have to just be for your own use. You can do short-term rental and actually produce a pretty good profit from that. Yeah, so we, we kind of did like a subcategory from from uh, in, in ways to make money in real estate. Buy your second home, buy a vacation home. A lot of people just think, to your point, that um, that is second home is just a rental property. But again, a vacation is one of those interesting ones where, and we had a few clients do this last year where, where they were specifically looking for a place that they could spend some time, you know, with their families and share the wealth for generations, uh, as far as just, you know, enjoying their vacation time. But, you know, a lot of our conversations actually centered around, okay, how do we make sure that this is a property that could also be considered an investment in some way, shape or form, whether that's short-term furnished, short-term Airbnb, or maybe it's a long term and it's just in an area that you like to spend your time. Maybe you just want to be in, I don't know, Kelowna or, or uh, some other city and you want to spend your summers up in a location or a place like that. How can you look at that as a vacation slash uh, rental property? And I, I think the blanket there covers pretty much short term rental, furnished rental as far as vacation. Yeah, you kind of get the best of both worlds, right? You get a place that you can use, even if it's four weekends a year, right? But you can also turn a profit and and uh, some of these short-term rentals can produce really, really good rental income as well if, if you manage it properly and, and if you're up for that task. 
Yeah, definitely some key considerations there on that point would be, you know, if you are purchasing something as a short-term rental or a vacation property in a city that's not near where or close to where you live, make sure you understand the area really, really well. Um, pros and cons, of course, obviously we can get to a deeper conversation about vacation rentals in the future, but make sure you have a darn good property manager that you trust um, because that is is very important in those locations. But hey, Dean, do you want to talk a little bit about just generally speaking, buying your second home this year? Because that's one we can't forget just in general. Yeah, we've seen that a lot this year, especially where clients have bought their second home that is now their move up home. So going from say a condo to a townhouse or a townhouse to a, to a single family home and turning that previous home into the rental property. We've seen that uh, really pick up. I don't know if it was just, you know, because of COVID and people were looking to get a bigger home and then saw the advantages of, wow, I can actually keep my existing home and turn this into a rental. Uh, we've seen that really pick up, especially because you can now buy that second home with a minimum down payment and, and then, you know, essentially have a rental property for five percent down in some cases right so that that was a big one for sure and i think that will definitely continue this year yeah and i think a big part of that is a lot of people do come to us with a plan of selling and buying but we kind of don't push this strategy but we want people to know their options right before it's off the table so showing people what that can look like and what the long-term benefits are a lot of people just don't think it's feasible right until we run some numbers and uh you know if it makes sense it makes sense yeah, there's a few key ways that this strategy works too. Like first and foremost, if you're moving into the home, the new property, you can buy that new home with less than 20% down, assuming it's insurable, which means less than a million bucks. Of course, there's a few other parameters. If you qualify, that's key. So we've noticed that a lot of people who may not have ever thought they could do that made the move up to that second home in a shorter time frame. Um, one of the other ways and reasons that you know this can work so successfully right now is uh, the equity in people's homes today has gone up dramatically versus a few years ago. So your property's worth more, rates are lower. You can re-extend that mortgage, re-extend that amortization period, restructure it, and take that money over that new home. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like this, not buying your second home. This could be buying your your next home. Really, we've seen a lot of clients actually restructure their existing portfolio. So you know, maybe they have one and and a, and a two home. Now they're looking to buy number three. Uh, refinancing those homes to to your point, getting that equity for the down payment for the third property, right? So, you know, just ultimately looking at your total scenario and especially with the appreciation we've seen over the last six months, there could be some opportunity here to access equity for the purpose of a down payment. I'll touch on that one more thing about the second property and then we can move on to another uh, strategy because this is a little more high level. But so in the inverse where you're buying the second home where the second home is an investment property itself, not vacation, not short term, but maybe a long term uh, hold property where you're actually, again, same idea, pulling the equity out of your existing home and then putting that onto the other home. Uh, we saw a lot of people do that last year and we see the opportunities to do that again this year uh, are, are very large because again, the cost of borrowing is so low. Anytime the cost of borrowing is low, the cash flow is higher. You can pull money out for less. It doesn't negatively impact your budget. Um, but again, just same idea, just in a different way. If there was ever a time, now is a time with money being so cheap. That's a for really sure. good point because we've seen cash flow increase as much as $500 on a lot of like pretty standard situations. So increasing cash flow is just obviously going to help your overall debt servicing to to qualify for the next property, right? Yep. And yeah, I absolutely. mean, in the greater Vancouver and Fraser Valley, the prices are high, right? And as much as the rents are high, it's hard to cover that cost. So this has opened up a whole new window for people to get into the rental market and actually 
turn some profit month over month. And this is probably a really good opportunity to think about for the next, certainly the next 12 months, but probably even 24 months of opportunity of low rates, increased cash flow, qualifying for more, you know, all the above. Right? And, and so to, to another point on that, as far as where opportunities lie, uh, because we're seeing so many people leave the lower mainland to try and find, you know, uh, a detached house in a smaller city or on the island or in the Okanagan or, you know, other parts of the country, uh, we're suggesting, like, even just think about keeping and maintaining the, the local property here in the Vancouver region. Because, again, as we know, uh, appreciation is going to continue to grow in these areas. Uh, and your land that you own right now or your property that you own right now could still be a great long-term asset from an appreciation standpoint. So just looking outside the city, just, again, understanding that this this asset that you're holding today locally could be a great long-term fit. And, and again, that could that could be the case in other cities, but generally speaking in the uh, yeah. lower mainland. And so then in that case, you're not always thinking about cash flow because you're potentially in a market that's appreciating at a faster rate or, you know, just at a, at a bigger mm -hmm. number. For right? sure. And I think the last thing on this piece is selling and buying is very expensive. I don't think people really understand the cost until you go through it with real estate fees and mortgage penalties and transfer tax, right? So if you're moving every couple of years, it's going to eat away at your equity over time. Like it really, really does take a big chunk of your net worth away. So looking to see if you can keep that property to avoid some of those costs is it can be huge over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great points. Real estate agents. We love you, but, uh, there's a cost that we got to consider there. Um, all right. Th this is one that I don't think a lot of people are going to think about, which is improving your property. So there's kind of a few different ways that we can take this, but right off the bat, uh, property improvements, uh, why is now one of the best times to look at improving your property? Well, interest rates, I mean, it's, it's to our previous point, mortgage payments are lower because of the lower interest. So what we've seen is we've seen clients be able to you know, upgrade their kitchen, upgrade those bathrooms that, that, are, that are run down and, and still have the same mortgage payment. I mean, not to mention, if you're putting a suite into your house, right, you're pulling out $50,000, but you're at a much lower rate, you're actually lower cost monthly, and now you're producing rental income in your own house, right? So it's an absolute no brainer. And that whole market, that detached market with a suite is absolutely on fire right now, as a lot of people know. Mm -hmm. um, so the value, you know, from taking a detached home with no suite and putting yourself into that suited market, uh, there's a big lift in that. 100%. I mean, I'm a perfect example of this right now. I am going through a refinance personally to improve my property that will get me rental income. I've seen my mortgage payment drop and then I'm going to add cash flow from the rental. So that's a good point. Yeah. Massive, massive. Just make sure that if you are doing the, um, the refinance and you are looking to do those, uh, improvements, a few things to consider first and foremost, always get a second opinion outside of your bank. Cause there's generally speaking a lot of ways to structure that. But the second thing here is when you're doing those improvements, uh, think about the longevity of how long you're going to stay in this home and what your next steps will be afterwards. Like, will your intentions be to, to keep this home in two years, uh, to move out or to stay there and buy another property? You should really understand that before you make these improvements because you want to understand again who these improvements are actually for that's pretty key yeah and on that note like i've had some clients that have refinanced just before selling so that they could take some money and improve their property and make it look a little bit more appealing to the buy buyer's market right and they actually got more money out of their sale by doing that so key so key so refinancing to pull equity for any reason or a rhyme right now is a good time but particularly we're talking about your own improvements on your own property that is a key so Guys, let's move on to the next one. This is one that we uh, 
we recently talked about um, the B R R R R. So we hey, listen, we did a full podcast on this one, so I think we're gonna keep it a little bit short, just because this strategy itself uh, was one that we spent I think 25 minutes on, and we did have some good feedback from some people about it. It's something that a lot of people ask about. We can't not bring it up as a, a strategy to consider uh, in terms of investing and in making money in real estate. That being said, again, it only works in certain locations and uh, with certain considerations. So you just want to make sure that when you go into a strategy like this, you know exactly what you're talking about. So this is the buy, reno, refinance, rent uh, type of strategy here. I mean, repeat is the last R, by the way. Uh, So you want to make sure (laughs) that when you go into a strategy like this, you understand the climate, the area. Again, we did an entire episode on this, so I think we spend, we'll, we'll just skip on forward to the next one. What do you say? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this is a really interesting one for people who, uh, in particular, in the last couple of years, live in Vancouver region. Uh, assignments and pre-sales. Is this an opportunity to make or to lose money going forward? So I would say yes. It's certainly an opportunity. It's it's always going to depend on location. You know, we've seen some markets. We've st- we've seen most markets thrive during the pandemic from a from an appreciation standpoint. Nice plug. <laughs> and we've also seen markets actually not do so well. And we've talked about the the condo market in the city of Vancouver, the downtown core. We've seen some of those uh, some of those prices take a hit, um, or just a lot of inventory. So things, you know, maybe the price didn't take a hit, but they're just not selling as quickly. So, so buying a pre-sale in, in, in the certain market is going to be really important to rely on the realtor that you're working with to get good advice on where you're buying a pre-sale because it's not a guarantee, but there is definitely an opportunity to, uh, to make some, uh, make a lift on a pre-sale. Yeah, they definitely serve a purpose. I don't think anyone should be buying pre-sales with the hope of, of flipping it because we're seeing a lot of people right now that are not in the greatest position. They're having to close. They're having to come up with a lot more money if the value isn't there. So there's risks, and I think it's just understanding the process because it is different than buying resale. There are different risks involved, typically related to value in your personal situation that needs to stay the same until closing. Um, but there's been a lot of people that have made a killing on pre-sales as well, right? So you just need to have an understanding. You need to know your worst case scenario. And if you can stomach that, then, you know, there's a lot of good situations too, where maybe people don't quite have their full down payment or, you know, they're going to be getting a raise over the next year and they're just not quite ready to take over home take on home ownership and uh, a pre-sale can serve those people well. That was going to be my, my point. So I'm glad you mentioned that because if you're not ready to buy yet, you, you know, you, but you do have that, uh, that 5% or that, you know, whatever that deposit is to get that pre-sale and then, you know, wait a year or two, you're now in the market of appreciation. You're now getting the benefits of home ownership from that appreciation. So that's a big one. If you can at least get in through a pre-sale, I, I do it. I do definitely advise that. Yeah, what, one key point on that is what we do not recommend is we do not recommend purchasing a property, like a pre-sale property, solely for the purpose of uh, reassigning that property before completion. That is where you get in hot water. And we've seen some companies and some real estate agents and some marketing that has pushed, like, buy this new new uh, new investment, new this pre-sale property, and you know, you're going to see X percentage growth in the next one year, two years 
year, three year, four four years. And uh, to be frank, we've seen a lot of people underwater this year, and that's put them in a position where they haven't either a been able to close or they're letting go of their deposit or just flat out losing money. So again, got to be able to close. Make sure you can close on the property. Uh, there may be a ton of long term value there. You can make money, but just don't do it without the ability to actually, of course, keep that property. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about, actually, why don't we hop on, uh, let's talk about construction for a quick second here, and then we'll talk into some some financing financing strategies here. Uh, construction is something that I think a lot of people just, um, you know, what I find is there are a lot of people who it, it's almost like a pipe dream to them. Like they're like, you know, I don't, I can't find a home out there, so I think I'm going to build one. Um, but it's never really considered an investment by most people. And I think there's a lot of reasons behind that. I mean, we had Danny Evans come on the show about a month ago, and he shared uh, a couple of key reasons why people struggle getting into the construction space and, and then a couple of ways uh, to go about it. But it's uh, maybe something that's not really heavily considered because it is more more complex in, in terms of investing. It, it certainly requires some experience um, or at least surrounding yourself with the right people that have experience. So meaning the right partners in, in the building side and the development side, just making sure you have all your ducks in a row. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you don't feel comfortable, I certainly don't recommend it. Yeah, it's a, it's a much different process, right? Like you're typically renting or living with family for a year while you're building and it's as much as you're going to hire a builder and it's never going to be hands off, like you're going to be involved in having conversations day to day on how progress is going. Right. Uh, the financing is qualified similar to a standard purchase or refinance. Like you still have to qualify for the mortgage at the end of the day, depending on the scale of the build, like how much money you're actually spending, you typically do need more money in on a build. They want to see that you have a contingency in case, you know, you go over budget. Um, but if you can figure it out and you're comfortable and the dollars make sense, you can typically make a, a lift or a profit in building that property mm -hmm. compared to just buying the exact same home resale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You got to look at your time. Like you mentioned, you know, some oversight management, you got to look at your time as, as an investment in a project like that. And, and usually your time equates to the sweat equity and the lift that we're talking about. Exactly. And, and again, to your point itself, I think one of the reasons that a lot of people actually don't proceed is because they don't realize it, it is taking on another job, like when For you sure. do go to build a home. But from an investment standpoint, if you can nail that and, you know, build a couple properties and get them under your belt, it is a really good opportunity to earn money in real estate that you can continue to do for a lifetime if you want to go down that road. Yeah. Um, one other piece, uh, that we didn't talk to again, it, it, real estate related, we'll keep it relatively tight on this one is uh, joint ventures something that a lot of people don't think as uh, an investment opportunity to make money, but it is something I want to open the door to to any of our listeners, listeners to start having conversations with like-minded people that you trust or be around networks of people that you trust who are interested in achieving the same goals. There's again, we're not getting into a deep conversation about joint ventures. We have a guest that's coming on uh, foreshadowing here in the next couple of episodes. He's going to talk a lot about joint ventures, but again, we find people who want to get into investing in real estate in one of these capacities that don't have the money or they don't have the money or sorry, other way around, I should say <laughs> either they don't have the money or they have the income one way or another. And it, it just comes down to figuring out a good match for someone who, um, you know, may, for example, can qualify based on their income, but you have the cash or something of that nature. Maybe they have the expertise, but you have the other facts there. There's a lot of opportunities to venture with someone else to do well in real estate. Yeah, it's a great point. 
there is pretty much every item we talked about here today could be looked at with a joint venture. So if you don't qualify or you can't make any of these items happen, maybe you could with a joint venture, right? And that's where the joint venture just opens up your world to a whole nother uh, realm of possibilities. Yeah. Half of something is better than all of nothing, right? Totally. Agreed. Agreed. Well, one point I just want to bring up that we didn't actually talk about, but we had the uh, Smith maneuver. We talked about the Smith maneuver on a previous episode. Definitely something I would go back to because if you can, if your home could be tax advantageous to you, that means you're putting more dollars into your uh, bank account. And that just ultimately means you can make money uh, on real estate with the Smith maneuver. So I definitely recommend going back to that episode. Speaking of which, getting into mortgage strategies to have success this year, we have four key strategies right now. Uh, of course, there's a whole bunch of ways around that, but we're going we're gonna to walk through some of the most common ways right now. We talk about it in a lot of our episodes in the last little while, but first and foremost, refinancing to reduce your interest rate so key. So key. I mean, it doesn't matter if you qualify and you got your home six months ago, uh, six weeks ago, or you know, two years ago. It makes sense to start having the conversation right now because there are literally thousands of dollars that you're giving up to banks and companies that do not need your money anymore that you could be looking to to save. Uh, and again, when we say making money in real estate, hey, listen, if you're saving thousands, you're making money because oh, otherwise sure. you're spending it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's not like thousands is unbelievable. Like my mortgage, I refinance, it's $1,000 a month, a month that I'm saving from a 3.3 to a 1.8, right? So it's dramatic. It's not something to uh, to put on the shelf. Yeah, investigate. Just have a ask the question. Look at your options. Uh, you'd be blown away at what could be available. Even if you already think you have a really low interest rate, there's so much uh, that could be uh, restructured and optimized there. Yeah, we I think do, people get scared away by the penalties as well. And that's yeah. where you want to make sure you have a clear understanding as to, you know, again, the outlook um, and all the considerations that go around that. Like how long is it going to take me to earn that money back? What's that cost going to be associated with that? And then the other factors, of course, of securing yourself for another three or four or five years, right? Yeah. And we do all of the work for free. (laughs) There we go. Love it. So refinancing, again, mortgage strategies, refinancing to invest. So we're going to piggyback on that first one, which is, so you've refinanced, you've reduced your interest rate, your payment's gone down like Derek's $1,000 a month payment, uh, or sorry, reduction. That $1,000 a month could be worth another $300,000 of mortgage money right there for you, which would allow you to potentially, and I love this one, 100% finance and investment property. So again, you can use that capital, reborrow that back if you are already comfortable with the payment and finance the entire investment property, not put down a, a penny from your own savings. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, it's looked at like 100% financing, right? But you're just utilizing equity to get there. And uh, as long as you know, you're cash flowing and, and the numbers make sense at the end of the day, with rates this low, it's, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. And you, you know, you may be somebody that doesn't want to own any more property than the primary residence that you have, and that's totally fine. But if you have equity sitting in your home, like $300,000 or whatever the number is that you mentioned, that uh, should be looked at as a, as essentially a dead asset. If it's just sitting there, not earning you money. So that's where I would definitely pick up the phone and have a discussion with your financial planner and say, Hey, what can I do with this equity? Can I do something that would benefit me for retirement? Or even maybe you are retired. Maybe that, that, uh, you know, at 1.8%, if that's what our going rates are, what could that net you from a financial plan? Um, believe it or not, 
most planners should be able to do more than 1.8% return. Sure so. hope so. Otherwise, call us because we'll get you <laughs> yeah. introduced to a good one here. So there uh-huh. should be some opportunity there. So re- refinancing to invest is another key thing. Again, in, in whether it's in real estate or something else, again, we got to keep in mind, we do recommend a lot of our clients do hold a semi-diversified portfolio, at least where they've got their money in, in different types of uh, assets, maybe outside of real estate to a degree. But again, you want to make sure the advice that you get is good so that your ROI is strong on those investments, which leads us to the next one, which is private lending. Yeah, private lending, something we have a lot of experience in. We've worked with a lot of investors that have taken equity in their home, um, invested it into private lending. So, or, you know, just have money laying around that they want to invest. Uh, Private lending could be an option there. There's a lot of avenues, you know, working with a mortgage investment corporation or just lending your your personal money to an individual that that needs uh, temporary relief. A lot of factors to look into. This is a topic that we've, we've you know, internally spoken about, uh, talking more about, training more about, you know, having, having a full episode dedicated to this topic. Um, so if you don't know anything about private lending, stay tuned. Yeah. Foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, gents, we wanted to keep this one tight and focused, and I think we did that in just under 30 minutes. We walked through a variety of different ways. Again, it's not an exhaustive list. There are some other ways, but here's some key ways for you to start thinking about making some money in real estate this year. Of course, we want to be a part of that journey, guys. So if you want to get started with any of these strategies or if you have questions, uh, send us a note, and we would love to take care of the mortgage financing piece of that. Anyhow, if you're loving the episode, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Share this out because we need your help and we are so thankful for having you listen.